Will you spend another summer working on your yard for your spouse, kids, and guests? Or would you rather spend the summer with your spouse, playing with the kids, and relaxing with guests? Hire Blue Duck Lawn Care to get the super healthy lawn you love and neighbors will envy. Blue Duck does the fertilizing and weed control. You just mow to get a lush, thick lawn. Best in your neighborhood. If it's got to be green, hire Blue. BlueDuckLawnCare.com. Remember, if it's got to be green, hire Blue. BlueDuckLawnCare.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled to have you with us. We're even more thrilled, producer Carl and I, we're thrilled to be here in the studio doing a show. Carl, I I haven't seen you in uh, three weeks and uh, it's good to be here, good to be with you. And and the reason, uh, WIBC obviously had a lot of holiday programming and the way that all fell on the calendar this year is uh, both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. We're obviously on Saturdays, and lo and behold, uh, we didn't uh, get to come in and do the Gun Guy show. And I'm, you know, I'm sure our relative families kind of like the idea that we weren't in downtown Indy doing radio, Carl. But uh, in the meantime, it's nice to be back uh, in the seat and doing radio. Absolutely. It's good to uh, be well, back. It, and I'll tell you what, um, it, 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 we, there's a lot to talk about, as there always is. But what is going on right now, if you listen to WIBC at all... Uh, you've heard advertisements the last couple of weeks for the Indy 1500 Gun and Blade Show going on at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, as it does uh, every two or three months. Uh, we have them several times a year. I, I've been proud to be associated with world-class gun shows who puts on the Indy 1500 uh, every year. I've been an exhibitor out there uh, here lately. Uh, you, you hear my voice doing their advertising and so there's a uh, definitely a commercial relationship there so you can take that into account uh, however it's appropriate uh, but but I like working with the folks out there and I went out to the gun show today and uh, and I'll tell you what um, it was nice to see what I would consider pretty darn close to being uh, pre-covid levels in terms of number of vendors a number of visitors people uh, park you know cars in the parking lot uh and 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 what was available seemed to be dramatically improved as well i i actually bought ammo while i was out there i found a couple of good deals uh, on nine millimeter and ended up picking up a case before i left and i'm going to go back and do a little more shopping tomorrow i needed to get out of there and come downtown to do radio but uh joining me uh, here on the drivehubler.com hotline, we've got Todd Pershing uh, from World Class Gun Shows and the Indy 1500 Gun and Blade Show. And Todd, you and I have been friends for a while, but uh, I think this may be the first time you've been on uh, the Gun Guy Show. It is, and uh, thanks for having me on tonight, Guy. Uh, glad to see the show's back on. It wasn't on during the holidays, it sounds like. And uh, yeah, I'm thrilled to be on here with you. I've got I've got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Yeah, I get told that a lot, <laughs> and so I'm I'm right there with you. But but 
Todd, if you just heard what I said, which is, um, you know, this this show going on right now, and we'll talk about the hours. You only have, what, less than an hour uh, yet this evening, but open again tomorrow. Sure. But um, I, I, it's in the it's in the bigger building, so you had um, the, the the bigger pavilion, a uh, lot of vendors, a lot of people there. Uh, are you were you encouraged uh, by what you've seen now Friday and Saturday with another day yet to go? You know, uh, God, thanks for bringing that up. Um, we are thrilled here. This show, um, it's really as you mentioned in the intro, this is really starting to feel like how it was pre-COVID. Um, that, you know, that was, that was hard on uh, a lot of businesses, but especially trade shows and any type of show where these, there, there's these type of vendors coming out and doing displays. A lot of them, you know, didn't, didn't make it through. Um, and here we are today. I just feel great. I feel like I'm, it's pre-2019 uh, all over again. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, that's that's the feel it had to me, and I liked it. And and you know what is interesting is there's the symbiotic relationship, and 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 you could argue chicken and egg here all day, but you know when the vendors aren't there, then the word goes around that there's that that you know whatever trade show we're talking about. I'm not singling out uh, the Indy 1500 at all, but any kind of trade show. Um, if the word goes out that the vendors haven't really shown up and there's not a lot to to shop for, then the then 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 the people don't show up, customers don't show up, and when the customers right. aren't showing up to a particular event, then the vendors are less likely to come. And so there's this chicken and egg thing yeah. that sort of depends on each other. Um, and what I love seeing today, and and I got to tell you, it was a pleasant surprise when I walked in, um, is that they everybody seems to have shown up to this show, both uh, the vendors and the the customers as well. They certainly have, and we could kind of feel it in the air uh, leading up to the show this week that it was going to be good. Um, we still deal with, you know, a couple of COVID issues here and there, you know, uh, with dealers. But, I mean, I'm telling you, the, the people that are here are excited to be here. Um, the the vendors are excited. We had a full house today. And, uh, you know, this is what we're all about, spreading a little bit of Americana. Um, and uh, the more we can uh, do that, the better. Well, and I'll tell you what, let's let's do um, a little a little Q&A, uh, Todd, in terms of uh, communicating to folks who may have never been to, been to a gun show. In other words, I'll guarantee you that there are going to be a lot of folks who listen to this show who are gun owners uh, may, or may be uh, looking to become a new gun owner. And a lot of times sure. gun shows kind of get a bad rap to some degree. You know, we have the, the liberal politicians yakking all the time about the gun show loophole, which does not exist. There's never been such a thing. Um, there's, right. Yes, there's a distinction between private sales and, and sales from a, a federal firearms licensee or licensed uh, dealer. Yes, there's a distinction there, but it certainly is not exclusive to gun show. The gun show loophole thing has been a fiction since day one. But but sure. because the politicians from on the other side anyway, or are, are always wagging their finger and lecturing us about these evil gun shows. A lot of people may not know, a lot of people even who are gun enthusiasts or firearms enthusiasts or Americana enthusiasts, and I think that's a big part of what we're talking about, may not even know what to expect. If someone were to come out, say, uh, in the next uh, 47 minutes or sometime tomorrow during the gun show, uh, what, what, what would they expect? Let somebody know, for someone who hasn't been to one, what they'd expect to see. Well, it's uh, it's not just guns. It's not just knives. It is survival stuff. It is uh, 
A little bit of everything. I mean, there's a lot of historical um, items out here as well. That, um, and some very, very knowledgeable people that like to talk about that type of stuff. But as I tell people, Guy, um, and I get this all the time, oh, are there any deals at the gun show? Well, yes, there are deals to be found if you look hard enough. But I'll tell you, one of the best things about a gun show is, a gun knife show, it's all the ancillary stuff, as an example. Um, it's all the parts that you want or the slings or the specialty ammo or, you know, that certain, that certain knife for that certain job. Um, or if you're a first-time gun buyer, as you mentioned, um, you want to come out. What better place to figure out what kind of gun suits me best than to go to a building and put every kind in your hand that there, that there is? Yeah. You go to a gun store, nothing against a gun store, but they carry a couple of different brands and, and so on. Um, here you can try it all. I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, get to know the weapon that you want to purchase because if, you, if you're not comfortable with it, you'll never carry it. Well, go to a gun store, you get a very limited selection. Here we've got them all. Yep. And, you know, in your point about it not just being guns. And by the way, I've seen in some of the publications or even um, uh, some of the on-air uh, advertisements, why not? I, I, keep, I keep seeing a reference now this year to or even to this show, Indy 1500 Gun and Blade Show. And I've, I've been calling it the Indy 1500 Gun and Knife Show forever. Did I miss something? Is there a change in the name or is that just a distinction without a difference? It's a distinction without a difference, I guess, as you would put it. <laughs> okay. I kind of I kinda figured. Although, you know what? If if I was there selling uh, swords, I, I might have a problem with calling it the Indy 1500 Gun and Knife Show, going, hey, man, it's, 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 it's Blade. Blade. Blade is certainly more inclusive. <laughs> Which and, I, and you know what? We've got all kinds of blades out here. I, there's, <laughs> there's things out here, for instance, uh, hey, if you want to chop down a tree, I'm sure we've got something out here for that as well. Yeah, no doubt. And by the way, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of knives, I always make sure I have uh, a couple of my favorite carry knives um, in pocket knives that, that in my pocket whenever I come out to the gun show because there's a guy, and I actually I didn't have a lot of time today because I needed to come downtown and do radio. One of the reasons I'm going back, there's a guy who I swear has been coming to the gun show, the Indy 1500 for generations who's one of the best sharpeners ever and i always go hunt this guy he's usually back against a wall somewhere and i go find yeah, this he, guy yeah, and i make sure i get my knife sharpened and it's like five bucks or something it's very it's very reasonable uh, i'll give him a prop it's dj okay and he does right. a fine job and uh <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people come out there and try to find him because you know that's what he does yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're proud to have him out here, and he has been out here for a very long time. As have most of our vendors. Um, yeah. You know, th this is uh, to a, to a big part. A lot of this is a, is a family business. You know. Uh, they've uh, been doing this for generations in some cases. Well, and look, you know, let's dispel another myth, and, and it's something I've seen firsthand, and it's something I've talked to you folks about uh, specifically, and that is that there's always an implication, again, a lot of times from anti-Second Amendment people and anti-2A politicians in particular, that at the gun show, you know, the, 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 the gun shows and the people attending them are trying to do something sneaky, that they're, you know, there are people that are that are engaged in the business, 
uh, illegally and the gun show uh, condones that or allows that or something. And one thing that I've been very impressed by since I've been working with you folks is that is that is that you're very open with law enforcement. There's a bunch of cops there in uniform, but one thing I've noticed there are also I guarantee a whole bunch of ATF folks there uh, and, and consistently. And and there's not there's it doesn't do any gun show any good to try to do something try to do something illegal or underhanded. And I think that's why you, you guys have tried so hard for so long to to make sure that everybody is in fact um, not only complying with the law, but if anybody tries to do something underhanded or illegal, it's very likely somebody out there is going to catch them doing it. We uh, we have a, a zero tolerance policy. First of all, if you come to a gun show, um, despite what you may have what people may have heard, you're going to have to go through the same paperwork that you do if you walk into any of the local gun shops. Um, as well as uh, uh, if there's uh, if there's people that uh, uh, people say somebody wants to buy or they make an offer for, to somebody to buy something illegally, hey, I'll give you some uh, some money under the table. Every time that has ever happened, the dealers notified it uh, notified us. They are then um, removed from the building, uh, trespass from the building. We see that happen. They're they're all policing each other. Yeah, um, it it'll it will kill the business. Well, so exactly, that's what people don't understand. There, yeah. Well, no, exactly, and I and I've seen that repeatedly, and uh, and folks, I know you know I've had folks hire me um, as their attorney uh, separately who uh, are exhibitors at gun shows, and they say the same thing. They say, man, if I see something come by, if I think it's a straw purchase, I think um, uh, someone uh, is is looking for volumes of guns that indicate they're illegally involved in the business, he goes, I'm not going to do business with them. Uh, because as soon as I get caught up in that, that jeopardizes my business. And I know that the gun shows look at it the same way. Yeah, we're we're a, I mean we're a we're we're a community that works together. I like to think of it that way. Um, and they're they're not going to jeopardize their business for a twenty dollar profit. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, Todd yeah. Pershing, I'll yeah. tell you what, what we got to wrap this up. Producer Carl's telling me uh, we're a little past the quarter hour, but uh, you're you're not open for a lot longer this evening. O- open till six. No. But what, what what are hours yet tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow morning, we open at 9 o'clock to the general public till 4 o'clock. Um, please come on out um, and uh, introduce yourself if you want to. Come back to the office. Uh, mention that you heard this on this program. And, Guy, come by tomorrow. We'll get you some coffee and some lunch or something. <laughs> it works for me. I work cheap. Uh, and you, 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 just, you just hit my fee perfectly. Um, and, by the way, there you know, there's a longstanding belief, and I'm sure every vendor is different, and there's, there's no uh, generalizations necessarily that apply. But I love going to the gun show on Sunday because a lot of times the vendors would rather sell something then pack it up and move it again uh and that last day at the gun show i found are, are tend to be some of the best deals any truth to that uh you just gave away the biggest secret in our industry <laughs> how dare you I, they don't want me to be on the radio anymore guy well there you well, hey, you blame me because i threw it out there uh but no hey I, i'm a big fan of uh sunday uh, attendance at the gun show because that's where i found my best deals on uh, firearms etc so hey uh todd pershing uh thanks so much world-class gun shows and the indy 1500 welcome, gun and knife you. show and i'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow i'll take you up on uh on lunch and coffee we'll go from there 
You got it, sir. Have a great show. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, we're way past the quarter hour, but we're taking a break. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to continue to take your calls and questions, as we always do, 317-239-9393 for your questions and comments. Buzz has already called in with a suggestion that's interesting uh, as based on what he told producer Carl. But we're going to move on. We're going to talk about a lot more. Yesterday, yesterday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, that's the Federal Court of Appeals over several states, including Texas, uh, found that the Trump administration ban, uh, that is the ATF's regulation without an act of Congress uh, that banned bump stocks is unconstitutional and illegal. I, You know what? Take a pause on the unconstitutional part, that it is simply inconsistent with the statute Congress wrote. And for that reason, uh, the executive branch through the ATF issued a regulation that is void and unenforceable. And we'll talk a lot more about that and how that may apply in other areas like, oh, say, this pistol stabilizer brace regulation that's supposed to go into effect here in 30 days or so. We'll talk more about all those things and get into your questions and comments on The Gun Guy Show uh, when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Thanks again to Todd Pershing from uh, the Indy 1500 Gun and Knife Show or Gun and Blade Show, uh, if that's your preferred name. Uh, really appreciated him coming on, and and uh, and I was glad to see how well they were doing out there today. By the way, full disclosure, um, I have several different commercial relationships with the gun show. Uh, you hear my voice doing their commercials. Uh, I'm compensated for that. I've done legal work for the gun show. I've been compensated for that. I've been a spokesperson uh, out there for them. Um, so um, there is definitely a commercial relationship. So uh, you should take that into uh, into account <laughs> for whatever you consider it to be worth uh, when I talk about the gun show um, and uh, want everybody to be aware. But it was nice to see a lot of people out there. Uh, and if you head on out there, uh, ne the next Gun Guy show next weekend, um, I'd love for you to call in and uh, tell me whether you agreed with my assessment from going out there. Uh, in the meantime, um, our, our pal Buzz has called in, and, and, and I, I can tell from what he told producer Carl what Buzz is talking about is an issue that I've raised here on the Gun Guy show several times, which is that various financial institutions, I'm talking about banks and credit card companies, credit card processors, have refused to do business and in, and in some cases actually canceled accounts of people who are tied into the uh, firearms-related business, a firearms-related business. For instance, I've had credit card processors refuse to uh, process credit card payments for me to sell my book. I mean, I wrote Gun Safety and Cleaning for Dummies. It's a gun safety book. Oh, no. Well, that has to do with firearms. We don't do anything associated with firearms. I've had... Credit card companies refuse to do business with me or credit card processors for my firearms training business, tactical firearms training, where you hear me pitching my Essentials of Indiana Gun Law class here on the air. I was, oh, well, no, you're, that has to do with firearms. I go, I'm teaching people how to be safe and responsible gun owners. Do you have a problem with gun safety? I don't sell guns. 
Why is this a problem? Much less the, for those people. And I, and I had a I had a uh, gun shop roundtable here. And you know what? We need to do that again, Carl. We're gonna we're gonna set that up um, because th- that was a great show, and I got a lot of positive response. And in fact, we only set it up for an hour, and we should have done it for the whole show for two hours. We had five chairs full. We had every microphone in the studio uh, occupied and we had gun shop owners and we talked about issues that they were all seeing. And this was right in the middle of COVID. So it was a, it was a good two years ago talking about ammunition supply and whatnot. And I just happened to throw out, you know, that I had had problems with financial institutions, including credit card processors. And I go, any of you guys seen that as someone who actually sells guns, you know, as part of a federally licensed business? And every single one of them reacted. Every single one. I'm like, oh, my God, let me tell you the horror stories I've had. Where people had, had, had bought a, a, a gun and paid for it, and then this is through a credit card processor, and then them refusing to deliver the funds to the gun store. Which kind of sounds like fraud to me. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, it was unbelievable. Accounts being canceled. But at any rate, uh, our pal Buzz, who's a frequent caller, has called in with an idea on all of this. Buzz, welcome back, buddy. What do you got? Well, Happy New Year, Guy. I wish you. you a prosperous New Year. Okay, here's my thought. It, it's safe to say that there is at least 50 million households that are firearms privy. And why not get with your banking buddies in the law profession and start the 2A USA credit union? (laughs) That that cuts out the big banks, eight, eight, HSBC, yeah. Chase, J.C. Morgan, that cuts them out all completely. Yeah, you know what? Um, I love the idea. I've never looked into at all what it takes to start a credit union, Buzz, but it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting suggestion. And just while you were talking here, I, I'm sitting at the computer here in the radio station, and I just Googled, well, how do you start a credit union? And, uh, and the national... Um, what is this thing called? The National Credit Union Administration, there is such a thing, NCUA, uh, has a page up and it, and, uh, it has a Q&A. And the first one is, can I start a credit union? And it says, yes, <laughs> exclamation point. A federally chartered credit union is a great way to create access to affordable financial services to people where you work or worship. Uh, or member or members of an association where you belong or people in your community and we would simply define that as the 2a community uh, I love this idea I really do um, now you need a charter meaning either the NCUA itself at the national level or your state um, needs to give you essentially a license to uh, operate as a credit union that's a charter that means you're gonna have to have capital you're gonna have to have members because credit unions are just that they're they're member owned unlike a bank. But that's why it makes it a cool idea, and I'm sure the reason Buzz suggests it is, uh, yeah, there there are an awful lot of potential members who might be interested. And and to get around some of the ridiculous uh, discrimination, and you know what, that, that that's a word that gets thrown around way too much. Um, and, and, uh, and, and in fact, I've experienced it in this context by, uh, having businesses and including financial institutions specifically refuse to do business with me. And we've had a bill by the way, in the Indiana general assembly, the last two years 
uh, that would penalize those financial institutions that discriminate against the firearms industry by saying that the state of Indiana simply will not do business with them if they have and employ, utilize those discriminatory practices. And it was it was saying, hey, you, you, we're not going to try and tell you how to run your business. You can you can have whatever policies you want, but if you have policies that discri- discriminate against the Second uh, Amendment related businesses who want to do business with you, then we will simply not reward you for that by entering into business with you as the state of Indiana. So you want your bank to process credit card payments, uh, you know, for people to renew their license plates or to do any number of other things uh, associated with the Indiana state government, you won't be able to do that if you employ these discriminatory practices. It's a good bill. It's passed other places. We haven't been able to get it out of committee. It's something we'll fight for. But in the meantime, I'm not going to talk to uh, some of my banking buddies, um, but, uh, but, but, but talk to some of the other gun rights organizations. I mean, I wonder if NRA has ever looked into this. Um, I wonder if gun owners of America have ever considered this. Uh, and uh, and why not? Those are member-driven organizations. I kind of like your idea, Buzz. In the meantime, we're a little past the bottom of the hour. We're taking a break. We'll come back, and I'll talk about a really interesting self-defense shooting that just occurred in Houston. And I had a ton of people send me links to this, a couple of different links. It's really interesting. It's a little different. And we'll go through that and talk about what lessons uh, we can learn as Indiana gun owners and how the law in Indiana governs this particular circumstance where a uh, armed robber, quote unquote, was robbing a Mexican restaurant in Houston and did not live to tell about it. But interesting case. We'll talk, we'll talk more about it when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. Give us a call with your questions and comments. 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So, the topic I introduced here just before the break is that there was a shooting in Houston and this thing all arose out of a robbery. Folks are sitting in this Mexican restaurant described as a, uh, a taqueria. I probably mispronounced that. Um, but a uh, Mexican restaurant. And uh, it's about 1130 at night. Have I ever been in a Mexican restaurant at 11:30 at night? Absolutely. The uh, back in my younger days, anyway, I don't even done this so much anymore. I, the fact that I, the, the likelihood of me being in the drive-through at Taco Bell at 11:30 is probably a little higher than sitting in a restaurant. But I can tell you, I've done both. And folks are in the restaurants about 11:30. Guy comes in with a ski mask on, starts pointing a gun at everybody in the restaurant, and demanding everybody's. Wallets and and there's video of this and again a whole bunch of people sent me links and guy is walking around the restaurant demanding everybody give him their their wallets and valuables 
And it, it kind of reminded me, and this, this turned out to be deadly, so I shouldn't chuckle, but it reminded me a little bit. My all-time favorite movie ever is Pulp Fiction. And if you remember the, the diner robbery where the, the, the couple is sitting there and, uh, and, and they're discussing whether or not uh, to, to do another robbery, and, 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 and all of a sudden they said, hey, nobody, nobody takes down diners. And they say, go for it. And so they stand up, and they announce it's a, it's a robbery, the very early stages of the movie. And then, and, and as Tarantino movies tend to do, they, they cut in and out. They go to other vignettes, other little plot lines that all kind of come together at some point. But this is what it's looked like, where they're walking around the restaurant demanding people give up their wallets and, and their, their money and their other valuables. What happens with this robbery, though, is after the robber walks past one table, apparently after he's already collected their, their wallets, their valuables, one of the people at the table pulls a gun, shoots the robber, shoots him multiple times, Robert dies. At the scene, he was pronounced dead. Later on, it is announced that the gun the robber was using was a toy gun, never a real gun. Also is revealed, and there's video of this as well, that the customer who shot the robber fled the scene, jumps up, jumps in his truck, and there's video of him and his truck, a beat up older model pickup truck, and he hits the road. He gets out of Dodge. So you have the anti-gun, anti-2A people out there going, oh, well, here you go. Here's some crazy lunatic with a gun who shot somebody unnecessarily because the robber was walking around with a toy gun. A couple of questions. Was this a lawful shoot? And, and for purposes of this discussion here, we'll use Indiana law. Does it make a difference that it was a toy gun? Does it make a difference that the person appears to be walking past the person in question, the guy who did the shooting? The robber appears to have just walked past his table and is walking away from him, although still in the restaurant and still walking toward other customers in the restaurant. Because the fact that the robber walked past this person and was not looking at the person, and, and I don't know if I would say his back was turned. He's, I would say he sort of got shot in, in the side, more or less. But he had walked past the table when the, when the robbery victim pulled his own gun and shot. By the way, before the guy fled the scene, that is the customer slash shooter, he also collected all the wallets and whatnot that the robber had taken and went around and gave them back to everybody and made sure everybody got their stuff back, and then went out, hopped in his truck, and took off. Police don't know who he is. They've released pictures of him and said they'd like to talk to him. They're not talking about necessarily pressing charges. But, but we'll talk about those issues. And by the way, we'll also talk about why would he flee the scene? What can be going on there? Any number of different issues. By definition, we'll be speculating a little bit. But we'll talk about toy guns. We'll talk about shooting someone, quote-unquote, in the back, that's not exactly what happened here, does that make a difference? You know, a lot of us grew up watching Westerns, right? Now, man, it was a cardinal rule. Man, whatever Western you're watching, well, this is obviously not self-defense because you shot him in the back. In fact, man, I heard that as a young kid forever. I remember playing cowboys and whatnot, out running around, out playing Army, playing all kinds of stuff, and that was an absolute rule. 
for little kids running around with, with toy guns. Well, you can't shoot somebody in the back. Well, is that really true? How's the law apply in that area? We'll get into all of that and continue to take your calls and questions. Uh, and, but in the meantime, we've also had a caller who is asking about the Castleton shooting. And so I actually want to go to that call first because it raises a, a similar overlapping issue where essentially a mistake is made. And, uh, and, and, and at least that is what is being reported from the father of one of the victims in the Castleton shooting. So we'll get into all of that, as well as your calls with your questions and comments when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're going to get into the shooting that happened in Castleton, and it actually relates to the shooting I was just describing that happened in Houston. Very different scenarios. Very different scenarios. In particular, very different in terms of the fault of the person who got shot, where in Houston it was an armed robber, albeit one who was trying to deceive his victims into believing he had a real gun when he had a uh, toy gun. Uh, the Castleton scenario looks to be much, much different with the people getting shot out there being really very innocent, but making an innocent mistake. But in the meantime, let's get to the phone lines. And Esmeralda has called. Esmeralda, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hi, thank you. Um, I just want to start by saying how much I feel, you know, for the family of this of this young man who lost his life and what was described from what we know is this horrific accident where somebody mistake a car, uh, you know, and I just have I see it from both perspectives. I mean, we've all gone up to a car and thought it was oh, ours and absolutely. somebody else's. But, I mean, if I was sitting inside the car, would I not know if I'm about to get carjacked or, you know, and I... I heard another show host on WIBC, you know, talking about potentially charges of murder being justified. And I just I was a little surprised because as tragic as it is, it sounds like a a tragic, you know, mishap where, you know, somebody made a mistake, but somebody felt threatened. I'm just curious what you think about that. And I know I've been in I've been just to preface this. I've been in a a situation where somebody tried to home invade in my home. And um, I had to brandish and brandishing was enough to send the person running. And and thank God. Yes, Um, absolutely. So, you know, I think more gun owners should talk that have been through that should talk about how they're alive today because of their weapon. But I just wanted your opinion because I am so undecided and on the fence on this one. It's just so difficult. It is, and and I'm going to go through exactly what the law is on this uh, point, Esmeralda. But by the way, to to set the scene for folks who may not uh, have heard of of what has happened out there, because what originally was just reported as a shooting in the parking lot at Castleton. And, you know, we just had a situation where uh, where apparently teens were shooting at each other in at Greenwood Park Mall. And then after the mass shooting that occurred down there, obviously, that was a very sensitive point. And just days later, we hear there's a shooting in the parking lot at Castleton Square and that one 16-year-old had died and, an, and another uh, young man uh, was wounded, shot, I believe, four times. And, and 
a lot of us thought, okay, it's the same thing. It's teens that are causing trouble or gangs or whatever. And it turned out that's completely not the case based on the report of one of the teens' father. And Fox 59 reported, and I think um, I've given some credit. I think this was, was a solid reporting. Uh, but the father of one of the victims, um, whose name uh, was Eddie Smith Jr., excuse me, Eddie Smith Sr. is the father. He came out and said his son is the one who was wounded. The 16-year-old, Fox 59 reported, uh, who died, it was Michael Mason Jr. What he reported is that the two teens simply walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot and tried to open the door. Something I have done, I have absolutely done myself, just mistaking another car that's uh, similar or the same as mine. And the person in the car then started shooting. Again, this is coming from the father of one of the victims. We have to take a break here at the top of the hour, but I'm going to get into exactly what the law says in Indiana on this issue and talk about how that applies and then talk about how that's a little different to the Houston scenario. But right now, we got to take a break. We'll be back after the top of the hour. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. So based on Esmeralda's call, and Esmeralda, we hope you call us back here on the Gun Guy Show because it's really an important question. We're, we're talking about the shooting at the Castleton Square Mall that just occurred this past week. And if you weren't here at the end of the first hour, what this is being reported as is is a couple of of teenagers and and the young man who lost his life is 16 year old michael mason jr as uh reported by fox 59. fox 59 talked to the father of michael mason jr's friend uh who uh was wounded in the same shooting and this is a gentleman who's a pastor uh here on, on indy's east side and that's Eddie Smith Sr., and he's talking about how his son got shot along with a young man who died. And he, the way he reported it, and I'm sure this is after talking to his son, is that the two teenagers simply walked up to the wrong car. And it was a white Chevy Impala. If there's a common vehicle out there, it's going to be something like a silver Honda Accord or a white Chevy Impala. I mean, that's just a very common car. They walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot. And one of the young men reached down and tried the door handle. At which point, according to Mr. Smith anyway, the person in the car started shooting. And young Michael Mason lost his life. And Eddie Smith Sr.'s son, I don't know whether that was Eddie Smith Jr. or not, or a different son, but uh, uh, was wounded. And uh, shot four times into the legs, apparently. So, question becomes, and, and this is Esmeralda's question, what, what does Indiana law say about this? How likely is it that the person who was sitting in the car who started shooting will get charged with a crime? And if so, what crime? Well, first of all, let's talk about 
what what the law says. We we have a couple different provisions of Indiana self defense statute that unquestionably his defense uh, is going to argue uh, apply. And first of all, there's what we call the general self-defense statute. When I say general self-defense statute, it's really all different subsections of the same statute. If you want to look it up, it's Indiana Code 35-41-3-2. And you pull it up, it's got very different, various different subsections. But in subsection C, it talks about the rules that apply to you no matter where you are. Whether you're in your home, you're out in public, these rules apply. And one is, is that you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force is necessary. So a couple of key terms here, reasonably believe and necessary to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person or the commission of a forcible felony, either or to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. If a person said, when I'm sitting in the parking lot by myself uh, or with someone else, whatever, I'm sitting in my car in a parking lot with the doors locked and someone walks up and tries the door handle on my car, I believe that person is carjacking me. Now, carjacking typically requires a threat of force. If I'm just stealing a car, and I'm not suggesting for a moment these kids were trying to steal a car. That's not my point. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of the person sitting in the car. If someone's just stealing my car and they're not using force to do it, that's not a forcible felony. A felony is committed is a, a, fel, a forcible felony is a felony committed through the use or threat of force, or in which there's a substantial likelihood of injury to a human being. So a carjacking, somebody walks up to my window, shows a gun, shows a knife, shows a tire iron, says, get out of the car. That's carjacking. Is that a forcible felony? Yes. Can I use deadly force to prevent that? Yes. But that's not what happened here. You just have a kid walk up and try the door. And I got to tell you, this is scary to me from both perspectives. It's scary to me to think about myself being the one sitting in the car. Somebody walks up and tries my door handle. I've got not real dark, but fairly dark tinted windows. I could see somebody doing that without knowing I'm in the vehicle. Now, if somebody just tried my door, I saw no weapon. Would I shoot him? Absolutely not. Why? Because I didn't need to. The word necessary is in there, in the statute. I have to reasonably believe that deadly force, before I can use deadly force, I have to reasonably believe that deadly force is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury to me or another person or the commission of a forcible felony. Is someone just walking up and trying your door handle? Does that constitute a basis for that reasonable belief? It's not not, not enough to believe it. It's got to be a reasonable belief under the circumstances. How does a jury decide that if it goes to a jury? And a prosecutor, before they elect to file charges, is always thinking about what would a jury do with this case. A jury is told you have to look at the situation through the eyes of the person who used the force, the defendant. You have to look at the situation through their eyes, knowing everything they knew, seeing everything they could see, and not 
imbuing them with knowledge or information that they don't have. It's got to be what's reasonable from their perspective under the circumstances. There's a jury instruction exactly on that point. So if I'm sitting in my car, somebody I don't know, a teenager at Castleton Square walks up and tries my door handle. Would I have a reasonable belief that deadly force in that situation is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury to me or the commission of a forcible felony? I leave that as an open question. You can answer that however you want to answer it. When I'm teaching my shooting classes, my self-defense classes, I always tell people, I go, I'm going to tell you exactly what the legal tests are for using force, including deadly force. And anytime you're firing shots at somebody, that's deadly force. Whether you hit them or not, where you hit them, doesn't matter. That's deadly force. People say, oh, I can never use deadly force when I shoot somebody in the leg. That's deadly force. And in my class, I go through a, a detailed explanation of why that's deadly force and what the definition of deadly force is. I'm not going to take time to do that right now, but I'm telling you right now, that's deadly force. Shooting at somebody is deadly force. But what I always say is that I have a test for myself, the legal test we're going to put out in a lot of detail. Secondly, my personal test is I'm going to always ask myself very quickly, because a lot of times you don't have a lot of t time to make this decision. This is a split-second decision. I'm going to ask myself, do I have to do this? Do I absolutely have to do this to save my life or another innocent life? It's not exactly the legal test, but that's what I'm going to always apply. And it's not a bad idea to apply that test. Do I have to do this? Because the word necessary is in the statute. It has to be necessary to prevent serious bodily injury or the commission of a forcible felony. But by the way, I'm only talking so far about one provision of the code that may apply. If I saw a kid trying my door handle, I saw no weapon. In my mind, one subjective opinion, would I have that reasonable belief that deadly force is necessary? I sure as hell don't think so. But that's not the only provision of the Indiana Code that may apply. And I'll guarantee you another provision is going to come into play in the event that charges are filed against this person, and I'll guarantee you the prosecutor's office right now is considering another provision of the code and determining whether it's arguable that this is justified or whether it's likely this person would be charged and convicted. We'll get into that and then transition to this Houston shooting, which actually involves some of the same legal concepts, even though it's a very, very different set of facts. And as always, we want to get to your calls and questions. So give us a call 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. On 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're talking about the Castleton Square shooting. And look, we're commenting on this based on facts as they've been reported. And I'm relying primarily on Fox 59 reporting, which says the two teenagers simply walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot, and the person in the car started shooting. 
If there's more to that, if different facts come out, I will stand corrected. But I'm basing this discussion on the stories that have come out primarily, again, from Fox 59. As I mentioned before the break, I was going through the provisions of what we call the General Self-Defense Statute, which is the subsection of Indiana Code Section 35-41-3-2 that deals with being able to defend yourself basically wherever you are, whether it's in public or in home or wherever. It would also apply in your car. But there's another subsection, what a lot of people call the Castle Doctrine. And you may be listening right now thinking, what the hell is this guy talking about the Castle Doctrine for? when we're talking about somebody being in their car. Well, if you've taken my essentials class, you know the answer to that question. It's because Indiana extends the Castle Doctrine. And by Castle Doctrine, let me talk about what we're talking about. Let me explain what we're talking about. And that is that Indiana law, in addition to the provision I just discussed, also says, separately, you're also justified in using reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent or terminate well, I'll back up. You justify using force, including legal force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force is necessary to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. That's your home. So let's phrase that without me screwing it up. You can use reasonable force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force, meaning deadly force, is necessary to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. If there was a period there in the statute, we wouldn't be talking about it right now in the context of Castleton Square, but there's not. It says dwelling, comma, curtilage, which we won't go into it at all because it has no application, but then goes on to say, or your occupied motor vehicle. Yes, Indiana actually includes your occupied motor vehicle within the definition in the Castle Doctrine of when you're justified in using deadly force. So the question not only is, was this person justified in using deadly force to prevent serious bodily injury or the commission of a forcible felony, and I think that is tenuous at best. It is implausible at best based on the facts we know now, or the facts as they've been reported. But what about a reasonable belief he was preventing an unlawful entry into his occupied motor vehicle? Dramatically different. When, it, when is entry into your motor vehicle unlawful? When it's without your consent. So you're sitting in your car, someone walks up to your car, tries the door handle. Do you in that moment have a reasonable belief that deadly force is necessary? Again, the word necessary is very important. To prevent an unlawful entry into your home. That's a hell of a lot more tenable. That's a hell of a lot more plausible. That's a hell of a lot, of a lot more winnable in court, I will tell you right now than the idea that, well, I was preventing a forcible felony or preventing serious bodily injury. Why? Because they saw no weapon, presumably. Again, if it's just an innocent mistake walking up to the wrong car, so scary. It's scary to me as a parent. It's scary to me as someone who carries a gun. But that's where that reasonable belief comes in. You can be wrong 
if your belief is reasonable. The example I use in my gun law class, and I guarantee you there are hundreds or thousands of people out out there right now that have taken that class. If you're listening right now, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. The example I always give in my class is that I'm walking past an alley in downtown Indy. It's a dark alley. There's some lighting at the end of the alley, so anything in the alley is just backlit. And I hear someone say, I'm going to kill you. And I look up and I see three figures running toward me. Again, they're just silhouettes because there's just some backlighting. I see three people running toward me, and they all have something in their hands that looks to me like a gun. All three of them running toward me with what looked to me to be guns in their hands. I just heard I'm going to kill you. They're all running toward me. I'm there with my wife. I pull my gun. I start shooting. Bang, bang, bang. I kill two, I wound one. The police show up. It turns out there are three kids playing with squirt guns in the alley. One of them squirted the other one in the face, so he said, I'm going to kill you, and was chasing him up the alley. They happened to be running in my direction. They were no threat to me whatsoever. None. Zero. Am I going to prison? After I've covered this issue of reasonable belief, that's the example I use, and I throw that out to the class. Am I going to prison? About half of them, half of them in the class nod yes. About half of, them, half of them nod no. Well, what's the question? Let's say I get arrested. Let's say I get prosecuted. It goes to a jury. What the jury has to decide is not whether I was right. It's not whether they were absolutely, factually, accurately, a threat to me and my wife, but whether I had that reasonable belief. I heard someone say, I'm going to kill you. I see three, three people running at me with guns in their hands. I can't see colors because of the lighting. All I can see is guns. I shoot them because I believe they were running toward me to kill me and my wife. The question isn't whether I was right. The question is whether I had that reasonable belief. I could see a jury going either way. That's where Litigating that case, as the lawyers and the defense lawyer or the prosecutor would be fascinating, because they'd be doing all kinds of recreations with lighting and whatnot, and they'd be saying, "Look, any idiot would know this was a bright orange squirt gun in one kid's hand and a bright green squirt gun in another kid's hand." No one would think these were real guns. There was no way that's a reasonable belief. And defense lawyer would be saying, hey, they're backlit, they're silhouettes. You can't tell colors. There's no way to tell that from a real gun. That was absolutely a reasonable belief. I could see a jury going either way. I think in large part, depending on the credibility credibility of the witnesses and the skills of the lawyers. But take that analysis back to Castleton Square. The fact that these kids made an innocent mistake It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for everyone. I'm sure it's heartbreaking for the person who did the shooting. I would certainly believe it is. I think any normal human being would be absolutely heartbroken. That they've taken a life that was completely unnecessary and wounded another innocent teenager based on the reporting we're we're getting right now. But it's absolutely heartbreaking for the families that have lost a a 16-year-old man, young man, just getting started in life, and another young teenager who has four bullet holes in him. Hopefully he's recovering quickly and 
and as painlessly as possible. But it's a tr- complete tragedy. But who goes to jail? Does anybody go to jail? Does a shooter go to jail? That's what becomes an interesting discussion. Do I have a reasonable belief that I'm preventing an unlawful entry into my car when someone walks up and tries the door handle and it's not their car, it's my car and I'm sitting in it? Because it, the Castle Doctrine says specifically to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack of your occupied motor vehicle. Clearly, that's what you have here based on this reporting. All that being said, I'm always going to ask myself that question that I just mentioned earlier, which is, do I have to do this? I see a 16-year-old kid simply trying the door on my car. And when I ask myself the question, do I have to shoot this kid right now? That answer is going to always be no. If I see a weapon, uh, it changes the analysis. I see a gun, it definitely changes the analysis. A kid trying my door handle, especially when I have tinted windows? Could he be trying to steal my car? Yeah. Could he be trying to make an unlawful entry into my car? Yes. Do I need to shoot him? It's a separate question. But the legal question is what's going to drive this situation now, both, I'm sure, from the perspective of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, as well as potentially a jury if it goes that far. That'll be really interesting to see. Another question is what crime would the person be convicted of? Is it going to be murder? I don't think so. Why? Because they weren't sitting in their car planning to kill anybody. When something arises like this quickly and, 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 and you end up killing someone intentionally, he pulled the gun out, pointed it, and started pulling the trigger. By the way, he also reportedly got out of the car to shoot the, the second teenager. That becomes a separate question as well that raises a whole lot of other legal issues. He wasn't the one trying to get in the car, based on the reporting we have so far. Sorry for throwing that caveat out there so, so many times, but it, repeating it's necessary because these facts can all change as you get witness reports, video, potentially any number of, of more facts that come out. There's a lot more to talk about in all of this. I'll tell you, we're a little past the bottom of the hour. We've had Brian and Matt call in with, I think, some great questions. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines when we come back and then shift the discussion a little bit, if, uh, assuming we don't have more questions and comments come in uh, at 239-9393 and talk a little bit about this robbery with a toy gun that happened in Houston, resulting in one dead robber. When we come back, different facts, similar legal issues, and we'll apply Indiana law to that for purposes of the discussion. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show. On Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 93 WIBC. And welcome back. We're talking about self-defense, how that may or may not apply to a shooting we just had this week in Castleton. And, and just an incredibly tragic one, especially if the facts bear out. 
as they're being reported that this was just a couple of kids, innocent kids, who walked up to the wrong car in a parking lot. And one of them shot and killed, the other one wounded. Heartbreaking. But in the meantime, uh, Matt has called in. And I think I know this, Matt. Matt, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. How's it going? Good, man. You doing all right? Oh, live the dream. Actually, at the hospital. Got to look at the knee. Oh, there lovely you go. Winter day. Yeah, lovely winter. Yeah. <laughs> Bipolar, like my ex-girlfriend. Um, so, <laughs> um, so we're talking about the uh, use of force and stuff like that. Um, we're talking about the Castleton uh, shooting. Yeah. Um, I, I I've seen like people go to the wrong car a lot. Like you 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 see it more than often. Like, but. Using force just because someone opened it, hit the door and using force, I don't find it, in my opinion, that I don't see it justifiable because the way I've been told or trained from my security experiences, don't, don't, if you, you, you're supposed to use force with force. If there's no force, you can't use force or, 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 or that, or that situation. So, I'm, I would be surprised if they charged him with a, a, some type of uh, uh, of a of a um, of some type of murder or, or, or something like that. Um, and then we're talking about the Houston, um, the Houston one where uh, you briefly said something about the um, oh uh, the, the the BB gun or whatnot. Oh yeah, the yeah something that's not an actual firearm. Um, yeah, but but if if someone shows you a gun, like that's that, that your point. That's that's if you have force and they have force, you have every right to defend yourself. But the aspect is okay. That looks like a real gun, so I'm going to protect myself and protect myself and others around me. Yeah, and and, and Matt, I'm going to talk about the Houston situation that involved an actual toy gun. Um, but what's important to note here, and by the way, I don't, I don't disagree with you in the sense that... Um, in the sense that I wouldn't use deadly force in this situation at all. But I will tell you that um, the, the, the defense lawyer, if the charges are brought, is unquestionably going to try to apply the castle doctrine which says that I don't have to fear bodily injury I don't or I don't have to fear uh, a forcible felony even I can simply defend my occupied motor vehicle against an unlawful entry that's the exact wording of the statute if I reasonably believe that I'm preventing an unlawful entry into my occupied motor vehicle that's covered under the castle doctrine now again would I use deadly force in that situation never in a million years uh, would I roll a window down and say, hey, get the hell out of my car? Probably. Would I even flash a gun? Absolutely not. I haven't seen a weapon from the other person. There's no reason to do that. Uh, there are a whole lot of ways without using deadly force uh, to deal with this situation, even if you assume it's an unlawful entry that someone's attempting into your car. It's just not necessary to shoot somebody. But, but that's different than the legal test, and the Castle Doctrine does apply. And that's why that becomes an interesting legal discussion, realizing, of course, the number one thing we ought to be talking about here is that uh, a, a, a young man lost his life, and that's tragic in every single way it could possibly be. Let's go back to the phone lines. Brian's been on hold for a while. Brian, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hello. How you doing tonight? Good, man. What you got? Okay, so 
as a part-time gig, I, I do the little Uber driving on the side. About three weeks ago, I was driving, and there was a car driving erratic, and it was a young girl. Pat drove in front of me, and we get to a stoplight. The guy in front of her, I guess, they've been telling each other and stuff. So the guy gets out with a gun and starts smashing on her windshield and brandishing the gun and pointing at her. Do I have the right as Karrion that I could have ended it because I thought that he was going to shoot her and kill her? Do I have the right to end that situation? Well, yeah. I mean, Brian, let me tell you what the law says, and then you know you can you can answer your own question, uh, or we can talk about it some more. But um, what the law says is that you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to protect you or a third person from serious bodily injury. Goes on to say, or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. That's a felony committed through the use of, uh, or threat of force. It doesn't say the commission of a forcible felony only against you. I can prevent the commission of a forcible felony against a third person. So if you got out of your car and shot this person, would you have a reasonable belief? Would you have the ability to demonstrate that you had a reasonable belief that you were either preventing her from incurring serious bodily injury or you were preventing the person from from committing a forcible felony against her? If the answer to that is yes, that's justifiable. Now, whenever I teach this point in my law class, and people are getting about 30 minutes of a four-and-a-half-hour discussion, so it's, it's, it's abbreviated. But whenever I teach this point in my law class, I always want to emphasize this point, because I've seen this unfold too many times, and that is that if you're not involved in a situation, before you involve yourself in that situation, particularly with a gun and particularly with deadly force, be very, very, very sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're really seeing. For instance, when you walk into a convenience store and there's a guy with a gun out standing at the counter, this this actually happened in a situation that I got involved in as an attorney. person walks in, there's a person with a gun out standing at the counter in the convenience store. Okay. The person who sees this situation pulls their own gun and starts shooting. It turns out, well, by the way, back up, thinking, obviously, that this is an armed robbery of the convenience store. Do you know what it actually was? It was a guy walked in open carrying. This is the person with the gun out. He walked in open carrying. The clerk, knowing something about guns, said, hey, is that the new Springfield XD 45? I've been thinking about buying one of those. The guy says, yeah, it sure is. Pulls the gun out of his holster and is showing it to the clerk, albeit gripping it in a more or less shooting grip. He's showing it to the clerk because the clerk asked about it. And by the way, I always say, no show and tell with loaded guns. Never a good idea, ever, ever, ever. You know, save that stuff for when it's unloaded and cleared in a safe environment, save it for being on the firing line at the shooting range, waving guns around, loaded guns, playing show and tell, never a good idea. 
But that's what's going on. And whether it's a bad idea or not, are you committing a crime or do you deserve to get shot because you're playing show and tell? No. I mean, it didn't involve deadly force, but a good example is there was a situation I read about years ago where there's a, a guy right on in Daly Plaza, downtown Chicago. And there's a guy, a well-dressed guy in a three-piece suit, and he's running across the grounds there at Daly Plaza. And it's a big open plaza right out there, the, out the municipal, outside the municipal government building. And a guy in a three-piece suit and a briefcase is running, going, help me, help me, help me. And there's this disheveled, homeless-looking dude chasing him across, homeless, or across Daly Plaza. He's going, help me, help me. He's trying to kill me. One guy trips the homeless-looking guy. Another couple of people jump on him and start punching him. Good Samaritans. Turns out, the guy in the three-piece suit got caught doing a cocaine transaction, had a briefcase full of cocaine, and the guy chasing him was an undercover cop. So what does that, again, establish for us? What does that demonstrate? What I just said, if you're not involved in a situation, be very, very, very sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're seeing. Having said that, the law of self-defense in Indiana absolutely allows you to defend yourself or a third person from serious bodily injury or from being the victim of a forcible felony, a, com- a felony committed through the use or threat of force, or in which there's a substantial likelihood of injury to a human being. That's the definition of forcible felony. So, Brian, I'm not going to bring you back online because we need to take a break, and producer Carl is, is giving me his shut-the-hell-up signal. But I think you can answer that question now based on that discussion. We come back. Annie has called in. She's from Houston. You know what? I'm going to have to touch on quickly this toy gun situation since I've teased it the whole damn show. But uh, we won't have much time to discuss that. But we'll talk about that and take Annie's call when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for the final segment, which is going to be a little short. But uh, final segment of the Gun Guy Show here tonight. We're glad you're with us. I mentioned right at the top of the show there was a shooting in a Mexican restaurant in Houston. And it turns out the armed robber... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Robber was in fact armed with a toy gun. The people obviously did not know that. Why? Because they all gave them their wallets. They gave them their wallets. They gave them other valuables. As he's walking past one particular customer, that customer draws a gun, fires, kills the robber. Again, does it matter that it was a toy gun? That's where that reasonable belief business comes directly into play. Again, if the if the person in the Castleton Square Mall shooting is charged, they're going to say they had a reasonable belief they were preventing an unlawful entry into their car. And if it goes to trial, a jury's going to have to decide. By the way, will they be charged and convicted of murder? I think I addressed this point. But no, when, when something happens suddenly and through sudden emotion, for instance, such as fear or anger and you intentionally kill someone, that's manslaughter. That's not murder. The person wasn't sitting in their car planning to kill someone. 
But in the Houston situation, whereas the robber walks by, a person draws a gun, points it, and shoots it. Does it matter that the robber wasn't looking at him, that his more or less back was turned? No. If he's preventing a forcible felony. Does it matter that it was a toy gun? Not if he had a reasonable belief that it was a real gun. Clearly, a whole bunch of people thought it was a real gun because they gave up their stuff. Do I think this person will be charged? Not with murder, not with manslaughter. Now, the shooter, the victim who shot the robber, fled the scene. He got everybody their stuff back and then bolted. Why would he bolt? He could potentially just not want to get caught up in the, in, in, in the red tape involved in the shooting. He could be someone who cannot legally possess a gun. And 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 simply didn't want to get arrested, not for the shooting itself, but for hand, hand, hand having, I should say, a gun. Quickly, and we've only got about forty-five seconds. Uh, but let's go to Annie. Annie's been on hold for a while, and Annie, I guess you're from Houston. I am. I was born and bred there, and I just want to say very quickly, I am praying for that young man. For whatever reason, he fled. I am praying he will go back and get exonerated. And he is. I want to say to him, you're the reason why they say. Texas, a whole other country. Uh, Sam Houston has long been my hero. I toured his home in Huntsville, Alabama, where he retired. He fought. He was not only the hero of the Battle of San Jacinto, which is the reason why today uh, Texas is in the Union and not a Mexican province. And he fought long and hard to get Texas into the Union. When the Civil War broke out, he was governor of Texas, and Sam Houston was and, asked. And Annie, I'll get a couple of seconds. I hate to cut you off. Okay. He was asked. Three, he was asked three times to declare the oath <laughs> allegiance to the Confederacy, and three times he refused. He stayed. He kept Texas All in right, the we'll, we'll devote some more time, Annie, to Sam Houston. But hey, I agree with you. I hope the person is exonerated. I don't think committed a crime at all. I think this is a matter of the robber playing stupid games and getting stupid prizes. Uh, but. In the meantime, we are at the top of the hour, and it's time to take a break. Interesting discussion on the law of self-defense. Hope you learned something. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you come back next week. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC.